if you're the kind of dad who has a dad resume and one of your measurable accomplishments is 14 hour road trip, zero stops to say, don't make me come back there, then this is the podcast for you. We are Bad to the Dad with Coach Randy and Adam D. Thanks so much, the listener. Thanks so much, the dad, for taking this little road trip with us. This is episode number seven, season five. Our guest today is going to be Chris Miller, one of the managing partners of recruiting firm Topfolio. Thanks for joining us for that. We're looking forward to speaking with Chris. We are the podcast that celebrates suburban dad life and dads from wherever they might be in the universe. My name is Adam D., and now it's my great pleasure to introduce my partner in a world of dried out Sharpies. He's a yellow highlighter. His name is Coach Randy. Coach, good to see you. Happy Sunday morning. That's when we record and happy Passover. Nice to see you. It's always nice to be seen, Adam D., especially by you. And uh, your, your intros always make me giggle. I get a little giggle inside. So, uh... well. I'm glad I could make you giggle from afar. And you know who's the bright yellow highlighter in a world of dry Sharpies when it comes to the world of marketing and website design and graphic design? You know, the riddles are so challenging sometimes, the uh, the bright highlighter. But I think I can figure your riddle out because I can think... Well, this is episode number 77 in total. <laughs> so I'd like to think by now, you kind of could pick up on my cues. There you go. It's Becky Berman of BermanBranding.com. For all your graphic design needs, websites, you name it, she is a pro. I'm not just a promoter of her work. I am also a client. Uh, go to bourboncs.com or bourbonbrandy.com. Tell Becky you listen to Bad of the Dad. She might give you a little bit of a help of some kind of discount. I'm not going to necessarily force her to, but I would imagine if you said we are Bad of the Dad listeners, she'll know exactly what to do and how to take care of you. Whatever she charges, it's going to be a bargain. You should see the work that Becky has done for our own Coach Randy and his business. Coach Randy says a rebranding, re repackaging of his previous business. And I know that you have this bullying workshop that I think people need to take notice of, especially this day and age, because it seems like the bad behavior, the bullying in our country has not yet stopped. So, no, as long as we have uh, kids and we have parents and we have adults. I think I'm in a recession-proof job as far as anti-bullying. We, uh, we've uprooted what is considerable amount of uh, hate and uh, harassment, intimidation, and, and, and bullying. As a matter of fact, I used to have an old friend. Uh, uh, his name is Jack Cohen. Um, he's in, in Denver. And he used to work for the Anti-Defamation League when we were friendly. Uh, and I used to say, I'll, I would always ask him, how is the world of hate? And his response was... <laughs> hate filled because you know it's uh just seems like there's just a lot of people that uh force us to uh rethink i thought we were at a really good place at one point but no we have harassment intimidation and bullying we've got cyber bullying is uh is a mm -hmm. thing so adam b thanks for giving me the shout out for my business and what i do because yeah. i can count on you to help promote me it's a worthy business as long as there's human beings walking this world we are still going to experience man's inhumanity to man. And when I say man, people, I mean that anthropogenic, 
anthropologically. We are gender neutral. Yes. We're talking yes. non-binary, male, female, everything in between. We are certainly uh, understanding of how things work. And a show for all kinds, right? A show for all peeps. Which goes into your week and our week about how we've coming to what we think is the end. We have Passover, you know, wow. as you said, Chag uh, Happy Passover. And the significance of the Passover holiday is about dealing with hate of our people. That's right. Just, you know, another uh, period in the history of the Jewish people where, um, you know, those in power were, were trying to bring us down and, and eliminate us. And look at this through divine intervention and our, our own uh, smarts, we were able to escape and grow the people. Of course, this is the story of the Exodus. Um, you know, I always think about when I read the story and I've actually been paying attention more to the Passover story this year. I guess when you have time on your hands, you do that. I always think about how, you know, the Marvel people should really pick up on the Passover story. It, it's, it, it is a phenomenal, I mean, first of all, all the stories, when you start off with, you know, whether it's Abraham or Adam and Lee, there, I mean, there's some great drama there. I mean, there's great drama, great heroes. Uh, but I think it'd be great about the that that superhero. What were you thinking in terms of Marvel? Well, I would like to see how Marvel does the the ten plagues. And it's, it's funny we bring up Marvel and superheroes. You probably notice I'm a little tired because I stayed up late last night to watch about the first half of the Zack Snyder Justice League. But we'll talk about that in another another yeah. episode. Yeah. Well, that's when we get all the the bad of the dad, our, our geek dad, the dad geeks. I mean, when I when I opened up that show, and I, I saw four hours. Yeah. Really? I mean, is that like an hour of credits? But no, yeah. that's like the full four hours. So it is hundred percent. So I said, I can't make this kind of investment at, at 11 o'clock at night, but we digress. But no, I'd like, I'd like to see the Marvel maybe take the 10 plagues and do it in their Marvel way you know, with the, with the CGI. And, and just, I want to see the locusts descend, uh, the frogs descend on, uh, you know, these cities in Egypt on Ramses the second and see how that's going to play out. I want to see how Marvel does the parting of the Red Sea. Well, how about, the, how about, how does Marvel portray Moses? Right. Yeah. I mean, because he doesn't have, I mean, he stutters, yeah. he doesn't want to be one. I, I guess maybe this is like, those no, he's a perfect Marvel superhero because, right. you know, when Stan Lee, yep. right, and Jack Kirby created these characters, they were supposed to be imperfect. They had yep. problems, yep. right? Uh, Doctor Strange, he's an egomaniac. Uh, Bruce Banner, he's sort of a, a, a weakling, mm -hmm. right? The guy who becomes the Hulk. So I think Moses is sort of the perfect alter ego to whatever he becomes, so I'm sure they'll give him washboard abs and they'll give him a chiseled chin because that's Hollywood for you. But I think that that character, the, what do you think? When you think about Adam D is, you know, I, I think right now we better stop here. We're going to trademark copyright our idea because I don't want, you know, all of a sudden we go to the sea, Marvel comes out with, you know, all these things. I think that's over Endgame. Absolutely. <laughs> so I just, I think that you would you know what what are what are Moses' magical powers? Yeah, well, he doesn't have any. He's sort of bestowed by. This is what they teach us. That's it. That, that bestowed by God. Yeah. So, oh, I think we got some. It's much, it'd be the much better version of the Ten Commandments that we get with Charleston Heston. I'm just saying. All I know is every every dad out there would like their own magical staff. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm so proud of you, Adam D. You're the one that brought it out today. I, I went Coach Randy you, today. You, you pulled out the teenage <laughs> a magic staff. Bravo. So, Coach, what we, we have to do is you, we were talking about people who are hurtful and not helpful and bullying. We had to talk about people who are helpful. This yep. week, Coach, you were very helpful to 
me and my family. Last week, I told you about my own odyssey with buying the couch and buying the car, right? So we bought yes. the couch, yes. right? Canceled the other one because uh, it was more expensive. Found a, a cheaper version that, or not a cheaper, a less expensive version that, that we really like. And that couch set, right? That sectional was coming on Wednesday morning. So Tuesday night, we had to scramble and get this yeah. behemoth of a couch out of my living room. And who yeah. came over to help? Mask and all, Coach Randy. I was here. Not I'd only give, does he give you bullying advice, but he can help you move a couch. I felt like we're two Jewish movers, you know, just trying to... <laughs> Well, now all I can tell you is the way yeah. my house is configured, I got vaulted ceilings, right? Yeah. And uh -huh. very narrow doorways to mm -hmm. get a sectional from mm -hmm. my living room into our basement. Now I know what the guys trying to get that tanker truck out of the Suez Canal are dealing with. Well, when you have a, uh, when you have a floor to ceiling uh, 88 inch, you know, uh, and your couch is 89 inches, uh, no matter how hard we tried, <laughs> you, it's, 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 it's all ball bearings these days, right? It's all physics. You know, you know how coaches in sports say, we lost, but it was a moral victory. Yes. I feel like we did everything we could to try to get that couch into the basement, but failed and yes. ultimately had to get into the garage. So now I've got a sectional in my garage. Yeah. I have a cabin in my garage. I got, I have more of a living room in my garage than I have in my living room. Well, I, I did feel badly. Um, Mama Shan, your, your wife, I have, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to pull that in for, right. You know, I'm a team player. I wanted to really get that down the basement. Uh, but no matter how we did it, unless we're going to just destroy the uh, the walls, that was it. Just you cannot put an 89 inch couch through uh, a, a wallway where the ceiling is only 88 inches, and you're talking it. Uh, the the physics numbers just didn't work out. And uh, no, but I loved I loved uh, the perspective from your end of the couch yes. and my end of the couch. It was like two different time zones. <laughs> you're at you're at one end where the couch is dipping, right? You're at the high end of the couch. I'm at the low end of the couch. And I love how you say, all you got to do is just give me an inch to the right. And I'm like, coach, there is no right. And there is no inch. Okay. This is as far as it's going. Just, just as a little bit, just lift your side up just a little bit and, you know, move it to the right. We even took the door off. I mean, that was, and I got to tell you, that was a heavy door. That was a heavy door. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but so then, yeah, and that's not the first time that things had to, had to get dismantled. So, so then, how did the delivery uh, of the furniture go? Because that's always the. Uh, uh, well, thing. funny you should ask that, Coach. Funny you should ask that. They deliver the couch Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. Wrong configuration. <laughs> Wrong configuration. That the, the chaise is on. The wall side, it needs to be on the right side near the dining room. Everything is flipped over. And I can't accept that, right? Because then it looks like the whole room is topsy-turvy. Yeah. So we made the poor guys bag it all up. And they had a hell of a time getting it in. They had to come through the back, uh, the backyard entrance. That was really the only door oh, the where that door, massive couch back, is going to yeah. fit. So they unpack it. They try to set it up. They're like, eh, this is working out so well. Are you sure this is the couch you ordered? And after a little investigation, we said, no, that's not what we ordered. These poor guys working so hard, they probably had like 10 deliveries of these massive couches, had to wrap it all up with the electrical tape and all of that stuffing. Off they went. We insisted that the uh, furniture place that we bought the, the couch from deliver it the next day. Sorry, ma'am, you're going to have to wait till next Tuesday. That's not sitting well with Michelle Chandler, yeah, well, yeah. Who, who handles customer service because apparently I'm too nice. And uh, <laughs> They said, all right, okay, we'll do Saturday. 
But what was really funny is, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no couch. Yes. So basically I have a dance floor in my living room <laughs> and, and we're watching couches on folding chairs. It was like the first time when we moved in. Yeah, I like the house. Yeah. <laughs> we're living like bachelors and, and bachelorettes all over again. So oh, I mean, that was the odyssey of my couch. These are, if this is the worst thing that should happen, uh, given what's going on. Dainu, right? Dainu, right? Dainu, <laughs> right? As they say in the prayer of Passover, Dainu, if they gave us the Torah, if they gave us our own country, it would have been enough. If they gave me an empty room without a couch, it would have been enough. We would have figured it out. Yes. And there we go. Those of you celebrating know what we're talking about. Those who don't, eh, go look it up. Go look it up. It's a, it's, it's, it's PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> and then some. So. so I, well, I guess that's right. And I, my wife and I went out and we did the, uh, the shopping. Um, and we. Uh, furniture, right? Also furniture shopping. I guess it's that time of year. I don't know. Uh, so we, we looked at kitchen tables. We looked at couches. Uh, we looked at carpeting. I got to tell you, uh, we had uh, an experience. I mean, we 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 do have things coming in, zero percent financing, so we're we're good. Um, we're finally in a place where we can actually live and survive. But uh, I got to tell you, the carpet salesman. Uh, we use National Floors Direct, whatever. We we had a lot of other people. Not the guy who says. 1-800-828. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no we, that's Empire. That's Empire. No, we did have Empire come and frankly, do whatever you want. Their price was way high. Yeah. But the, the, the salesperson came in. I talk fast. He talked faster. I talked loud. He's even louder. And he it was it was really funny because <laughs> at one point I felt like I was in the car room of an auto sales part. And he was trying to say, all right, so what's it going to take for you to get in this in this today? And so, of course, he starts at a price way up here. But today, I can offer you a special down here. But I am a state rep, right? So because I'm a state rep, I can actually offer you even a better deal. Oh, right? that's authority. So he didn't have to go in the back and talk to his boss, right? Wait, 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 wait. But then, right, because the first thing he says, so what would it take for you to buy, you know, today? I said, we're not buying He's like, why? And I just said, cost. He's like, oh, I said, so yeah, we're not buying. Just we're just we're just looking, right? And so at one point he keeps going. He goes, I have uh, Mike from New England. I need a call because I think I get you a better deal, Mike from New England. And that's when I said, like, I'm like, dude, seriously, stop playing this game. All right, I feel like I'm being sold a car. <laughs> just give me your, your effing best price. So after a while, I mean, we. By the time, you know, by the time we negotiated, it was literally 50% of the original price. Huh. You wore him down. I wore him down. And finally, we were close. I said, here's the deal, right? Here's our price. Do you want to throw in some tax? And he's like, well, it was, it was. <laughs> and my daughters are in the other room looking. And so meanwhile, my wife and I are texting each other, laughing at this whole situation. I'm, I keep saying, When's the camera coming out? Like, you know, what would you do, right? Uh, <laughs> candid camera. Oh, uh, but we will, we're getting carpeting. Um, and you're happy with your carpet. It's going to be carpet that feels soft underfoot. Well, your guests yeah. will marvel at this carpet. Well, ironically, not ironically, you know, being a homeowner, the, the, the newest carpet we have upstairs in our bedroom is 15 years old. Which means all the other carpet in our house is either uh, we bought the house right, so either eighteen years old 
or older. Which I don't know. If, I don't really feel like that's that long for carpet. You know, maybe it's just something we take for granted every day. But well, it is. Uh, it's long for our carpet because when you pick up certain pieces, you'll see. So anyhow, yeah, look. that was uh, that was our week, and you know our kids are home and everything else. We got softball starting, as you know, uh, and so I have plenty of softball stories to oh, share. Oh, wonderful! Well, that means that we'll not be doing the podcast when it's regularly no, scheduled. No, no. We're going to have good. to be doing it all. Wacky days, wacky hours of the day. We're gonna. I'm sticking to our ten o'clock Sunday mornings. Ten o'clock Sunday, folks. That's when we record and we try to deliver it to you either Sunday night or very first thing Monday morning, including this episode where our guest coming right up is Chris Miller from Top Folio Recruiting Firm. He's gonna have tons of really good advice for the job seeker. That's on Bad to the Dad. Stay with us. We are Bad to the Dad with Coach Randy and Adam D. Remember, we're on social media. It's out there, and so are we. And at Bad to the Dad is the handle for most of our social media platforms. That's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We've also got one of those good old-fashioned websites. That's www.badtothedad.com, where you can get information about guests, past, present, and future. And uh, don't forget, you can also interact with us. We've got email, contact us at badtothedad.com. That's contact us at badtothedad.com. Coach, on today's show, we've got, uh, every guest is a very special guest. This one is is very, very special because- You always say that. I do, but this time I actually mean it because uh, this is the guest that I probably go back the farthest with. This is Chris Miller, who's one of the managing partners of Topfolio Recruiting Firm. But uh, I think even more viscerally, you know, this is a guy I go all the way back to kindergarten with, Mrs. Bull's morning kindergarten. And when I say Mrs. Bull, uh, she was she was every every element of that of that name. You know, she she would give me a hard time. I remember uh, cursing in her class, and uh, she was not not thrilled about that. I'm sure Chris was a much better behaved student. But uh, Chris, I don't know if you remember those times, uh, you know, throughout the years, we got uh, Livingston Recreation, we worked at Livingston Recreation uh, as counselors, and then uh, you know, played softball together. And now we're in the, the same profession. So welcome to Bad to the Dad. Great to have you on. Uh, looking forward to reminiscing and learning a little bit more about Topfolio. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, having me. It's always, uh, you know, always good to hear from you. You know, I'm glad we can catch up. So, Chris, I have to ask you if you remember this. I know that um, your family had a house down in Lavalette, New Jersey. And, you know, in Jersey, we don't say we go to the beach. We say you go down the shore. It's a Jersey thing. Jersey thing. So I remember all of those those fun weekends uh, where we packed like 10 10 guys, 10 guys and gals, counselors from Livingston Rec. We just spend a weekend there. Uh, but, But one thing I remember vividly was. On the way home from one of those trips, I was an intern at the NBA, and I quizzed you on the second USA Dream Team. Remember, the first one was 92 in Barcelona, and then the next one was in Atlanta. So this is the summer of 95. We're driving home back back up to North Jersey, and I quizzed you 
can you name all of the people you think will be on, all the players you think would be on the 1996 Olympic team? Do you remember that at all? No. <laughs> uh, but here's what I remember, Chris. Yeah. I'm glad this yeah. was such a I'm vivid memory for, for me and not for you. You got them all. I was lucky. Lucky guess. I don't know. I think that was really the turning point for your career where I said, you know what, this guy really knows talent and he should be in the talent business. And voila, you're in the talent business. So yeah, we are. just just a bit of a foreshadowing. So like I said, great to have you on. Managing partner of Top Folio. Chris, tell us a little bit about Top Folio and what they do. Sure. So we, we do staff and recruiting. You know, my expertise is in creative services, digital uh, marketing and UX um, a handful of us uh, at a company called Topfolio, which is the one I run, and then another company called Syntagma Group. We were all sort of like executives or top performers or managers in the same group at a really large, well-known uh, international staff and recruiting firm. And, and, you know, being there all for years and years and years, we, we sort of wanted to build a better mousetrap and we sort of all worked uh, a different way. We worked a little more qualitatively. We took a little more time with people and, and we really wanted to sort of over service either the person looking for the job or the client looking to hire somebody. And we thought that it could be a perfect, uh, it could be done betterly than just simple metrics and dollars. And, you know, we really wanted to put our best foot forward. So we started this, uh, my old managing uh, director uh, who ran like a $500 million business started this company about four years ago. He, he talked to me for four years and then being at the company I was at for a very long time, I just said, look, I'm going to do this. And it was a great opportunity and jumped right in. Of course, you know, uh, sort of started our business in COVID. So we were uh, on a, which was awesome, right? So we were sort of on a, a, that first quarter was going great. And all of a sudden everything stopped. And then for six months, we hashed it out and just busted our humps. And then things started getting better and then things got better. And then all that, that work that we put into the first year, all suddenly like snowballed down the mountain and um, it was really uh, kind of being uh, trying to be more genuine but calling people former clients or clients that you know maybe were tired of talking to the big companies and said hey you know um, I'll, I'll give you a shot what do you got and then that turned into another client and then it turned into another client and then so it's actually going it's going very well but right now there is definitely a hiring spray but I also feel like there's a shortage of certain types of skill sets out there, especially technically. You know, Chris, thanks for uh, uh, coming on and sharing us about what you do. My oldest uh, is in the recruiting business. She's uh, out in Denver and she was, uh, she's, she's now in-house. She's working for a company called Twilio. I don't know who they are. There's some kind of big fancy. She's very excited. Um, and I see a hip company that only hires like people under 40. Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's really something. I can only imagine what it was like for what you've gone through with, with COVID. Um, and I know that one for her, a lot of her job requires her candidates to really be prepared. And it's only as good as the candidate. How do you prepare your candidates, your, your individuals for jobs? Sure, uh, no problem. I mean, a lot of it starts with, I'm just trying to fly. I, I don't match the job of the candidate. I match the candidate with a job. So a lot of that is, I mean, it's, it's everything from just getting on the phone with them, gaining some kind of commitment, talking with them, trying to understand what they're, they're looking for and really listening to the sort of the nuances before saying, Hey, I have a job like this, this, and this, but a lot of it's, it's trying to help them with their resume, right? Uh, writing your resume is probably the most difficult thing in the world. You know, it's it, you're your own worst enemy, your, your own biggest critic. A lot of it's trying to kind of step back, help them make their resume a little more clear, a little less labor intensive, a little more like ROI 
benefit achievement driven and really kind of tie that back to the day to day. Because again, you're going to put your day to day skills all day long. It's going to be a laundry list of, Hey, I did this and that. And we got to make it a little more of a narrative, right? You got to explain what the company is. You got to tell them, Hey, what Twilio is. Well, Twilio is a, you know, a $1 million social media company that does video or something like that. They got to explain what, what the context is. Uh, a lot of that is also, uh, you know, tr trying to help them, especially with the zoom interviews. We have actually done some training with some of our marketing people where we put out content, say, here, here's how you be a better interviewer. Here's what you do. Make sure the, you know, make sure your zoom works, make sure you, you know, you're in a, a, a place that that's quiet and, and, you know, has good sound or something like that. We had something the other day where, um, you know, it, it was a guy going for like a really big job, like a really big job, big clinical trial company, right. In the healthcare space that, I mean, Adam's it lives in it. And it was something simple as like, you know, his son is in the back doing, doing homework and the dog <laughs> or something. It, it was just like the, 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 you know, the perfect storm, but something like that. I mean, that could go one or two ways. You could either be empath empathetic to something like that and say, Hey, we're all in weird times. Or some people are like, look, I'm going to pay you like $200,000. I really want you to be focused on your answers. So it's a lot of going back and forth, um, but that really helped prepare them for the interviews or prepare them for job hunting. I'm, I'm a big advocate of just trying to do things a little bit differently and digging into the internet and digging into social media and looking for all these little tiny opportunities that aren't on the beaten path. Because when you go the route of, uh, you know, you can actually draw this, when you put, go the route of posting a job out there on LinkedIn, Indeed, Caribbean or whatever it might be, um, you get flooded. And then the problem with COVID is that a lot of people didn't maintain their job postings, which means, you know, the hundred applicants you got, is not going to be 500. And then you're like, oops, we've got to take that job down. So to find that needle in the haystack, it's very difficult. So I'm a big believer in, in telling them to, to, to kind of think a little bit differently of how they're going to look. And just because you can go on, you know, you go on the internet and, and shoot out 50 resumes, that's not really accomplishing all that much. Um, so I'm like, find out where you want to work, look at your strengths and weaknesses you know, I always tell people, you got to look at it like uh, the 1980s Olympics team. You got to look where you are with Herb Brooks. You know, he always said like, you know, somebody said to him in the movie or something like that, like, hey, these aren't the best players. He goes, yeah, but they're the right ones. So instead of saying cast that wide net, look at yourself in the mirror and try to identify where you fit in an organization and be that role player. So if you're a 75K help desk guy for a healthcare company, let's look at that. It's okay to be that person. You know, you don't have to be the boss. You don't have to be the underling. You figure out where you want, you know. I mean, there's people that want to go fast and go up the ladder. And then there's people that just want to go to go to work and leave and you, know, you make your money and you're steady Eddie. So it's a lot of just back and forth and trying to listen to them and understand, you know, um, I mean, I think that answers that, but there, there's always going to be stuff I can't prepare them for, you know, um, and you just can only put your best foot forward with this stuff. So that's kind of the advice I try to give to them. And then there's going to be people to listen to you and not, and I tell them to do their own research. You got to do your own research, you know, and you take a sort of a consensus of all these different people you talk to. And that's a big, that's actually a big problem talking about the preparation for that stuff because I was at a big company and they didn't train a lot of the new people the right way. And it was very frustrating when you get referrals and in the space that I'm in, which is like advertising and digital and you meet some executive creative director who worked on like AT&T's like Super Bowl ad and, you know, doesn't, hadn't looked for a job in 10 years. And, and, you know, it was somebody I couldn't interview and I passed them to another person and they went down a checklist so they're looking for reasons of kind of, you know, how much do you want to earn? Where do you want to travel to? And what do you want to work on? What's the media? Where you, you kind of have to look at somebody um, and realize like how to utilize them. I think that's a better way to hire. So, so Chris, this is interesting. Um, you know, I remember when I was in, in the search firm business before I went in-house. Which you there said were you a loved lot it. of, what's, what's that, Chris? You said you loved it, right? 
uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, I certainly miss it. I miss the hustle. I know you're, you're, you're hustling like crazy. Um, but you know, you never know where your next meal ticket's coming from, but you know, fortunately you figured it out better than I did. Um, but I remember the misconception that a lot of candidates had, especially unemployed candidates that they felt like you were a placement firm. Like you were almost, uh, a commercial version of unemployment when really, you know, you're, you're beholden to the customer, right? The, the company that's paying for you. And you, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you're looking for candidates for jobs, not jobs for candidates. And I think that's an important distinction. Do you have people that contact you saying, hey, find me a job? And then you have to go through this whole education of, well, we're going to do the best we can, but that's kind of not how we're wired. I mean, it's, it's both, it's both sides. I think you're, you're you know, who's your, who's your real end client. It's both individuals. I, mm, I was taught okay. by very, very good people. The place I came from who did this job the right way, you know, where you try to help people figure it out and give them advice, whether you're making a buck or not, because it will come back to you can pay it forward or pay it back or karma or whatever you want to call it. So um, I think that's very important. I'll give people advice. I've even flipped people over, you know, it, 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 I just did it with a, a client of mine who spent millions of dollars, with my previous company. And the minute he wasn't a hiring client, nobody was talking to him, but he had millions of dollars. And I always had a good rap with him and he was sort of, he had an interesting like background in digital. So, um, I mean, I just saw an old client of mine where I don't have an agreement because we're, we're a tiny, you know, dozen person staffing firm. And I said, look, here's a guy that needs a job that I trust and hopefully something good. And he's, I think he's going to get his, his offer next week, but people do come to us and say, I don't know where, like I keep going to LinkedIn. Um, there was a woman, she was like a CMO level of healthcare system right around here. And she's like, I go to LinkedIn, I send my resume, nobody knows what I do, nobody's where I fit, how do we do that? And the thing is, you got to go to the decision maker, you got to go to the person that's going to matter to. Um, and she's maybe not a CMO level, but a senior vice president of marketing. She was outstanding. A lot of healthcare brands that are B2B are trying to move more to consumer. So they hired her coming from like a big uh, consumer goods uh, uh, company to really make their services more consumer friendly and make it more fun, make the advertising. And she went in there and the education she gave me and armed me with that knowledge, I could go to all these other healthcare companies that, you know, at the end of the day, she might not be able to go to the front door, but if I go to the CMO and I shoot them a message and it's a smart message and I say, this is why she's talented and she's not getting her fair shake. You'd be shocked at that level who gets back to you. And next thing you know, you're getting called from HR, you're getting called from ops, but yes, it, it, it is all about trying to be a clearinghouse for people. It's trying to help the people that can't help themselves. Uh, and now, and look, this is in the grand scheme, but we really have so much bandwidth. So everybody I talk to, I could spend <clears throat> hours on building campaigns for them and marketing them and, and getting, calling people. That's really what it comes down to, but it's all based in sort of the, the solar system of my network. So okay. obviously- Real quick, sorry. sorry to interrupt because this is a good segue to you know talking about your market, um, and we just spent a year you know with COVID as you've talked about. So then, what's really hot right now in the job market? I think uh, at least, and I can speak. To, I mean, anything engineering, software engineering is going to be crazy. User experience, customer experience, digital, all that stuff. That's the space I'm in. You could you you can't find enough of those people. Uh, marketing automation is very big. That's been really 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 big. Um, I mean, even some of the, I'll tell you, like one of the industries I work in is medical communication that never mm -hmm. took it, never not had a problem through the market. That's been crazy. That's been over the top, but also, you know, uh, clinical trial companies, the clinical trial stuff. I mean, you can't find enough people for them. There's three companies I work with and they all compete with each other and they were all sort of 
managers I knew that were in the sort of same, uh, like, uh, atmosphere, right. They're calling us up saying we need like 15 people and we don't know where to find them because the typical ways of finding these people and going through the job boards doesn't always uh, work. So their, their big way of hiring people is referrals and using a recruiting firm. That's let me ask been- you this. You, let me ask you this, Chris, because you, you, you mentioned, you just mentioned that and you mentioned earlier that got the jobs, but not enough people to do them. So we're zooming right now. It's a great way yep. to communicate. I think, you know, the country for the most part has gotten used to employees working remotely. Has that helped folks like you and the job market in general, where hiring entities can kind of broaden their scope a little bit and maybe bring on people who are not within an hour's commute from their office? Have you seen much more flexibility in that regard? So I've seen it a few different ways. Um, and the thing is where it, it, it actually, when you open up the candidate pay, uh, pool like that, and it's like nationally, that actually makes it more difficult because I'm used to working in a certain geography, right? Because now you're searching broad terms and you're going through more resumes and CVs and profiles you've ever had. Um, so I've seen a lot of uh, companies, you know, many of them were like, you know, in, in the space that I'm in, many of them were, had a lot of remote people anyway. So it's not that shocking when you're a freelancer, right? You're sort of remote anyway. You might meet your client once a blue moon. I, I have a friend, she's up in right up the road from me and she's got clients like all over the country, some of she's ever met. Um, but I've also seen a lot of people get hired, but they want them like reasonably close. So, you know, there's a firm right literally in downtown Red Bank where I live and uh, again, medical communications, but they're like, hey, we'll, we'll take somebody to New York. You know, they'll come down once in a blue moon for a meeting when we can have meetings again. Um, I think it's, incre- it's, it's, it's increased your, your sort of hiring profitability, but it's also, everything is so spread out now because people are getting pinged all over the darn place. Um, so, you know, I was talking to a, a UX girl, um, UX woman that I know who's really good, uh, super talented, and she's in Philadelphia and we're having a conversation about sort of what she's looking for. And I said, well, you know, what's going on since the last time we talked? And she's like, yeah, I got pinged by this company, this company, this company. And, you know, and I'm trying to understand like where, like what her, what what does she want to work on? What does she want to do? What kind of company is interesting to her? What kind of culture is interesting to her? You know, does it need to be mission driven? Is it got to be tech? Is it got to be something like that? And she said, I got pinged by this, this company. I was like, she's got, it's really, really cool. It's like this certain kind of software company that does this. And I'm like, I've never heard of that company. I expect them to be, you know, at least within Philly, Northeast, Boston, New York. And she's getting pinged by uh, places in Santa Barbara, California, because somehow they found her. So people are getting pinged all over the place, but it's also like the level of opportunity that people are getting is it's, it's crazy. I mean, I had somebody who uh, down in Florida, she was like an SEO director of search engine optimization. She was a referral to me six months ago. I had nothing for her. Something fell in my lap from a friend of mine. I used to work with who went internal, internal recruiter, who's he's more a tech recruiter. He doesn't understand the marketing stuff. And he said, look, I have these marketing roles. Come on, be a vendor. Help me. I just, I trust you. I know you do a good job call this woman and she's, uh, Hey, I got a job. I'm no, I'm no longer, but I might be, you know, in a, in a couple months, maybe I'll look, you know, stay in touch with me. And I said, well, if you're a hiring manager, I was like, do you hire through me or using firms? She's like, I can't use firms right now. And I was like, well, how many jobs you got to hire? She's like six. I'm like, how many people have you interviewed? Like, Oh, three. How long have the jobs been open? How like three months. I'm like, I'm like, that's strange to me. Usually this is that, you know, in three months, right. If you put in a posting out, that should be a done deal. And she's like, I think there's a candidate shortage. And that was the first time I've heard that. And it, but it sort of makes sense because people are getting just uh, things are flying at them from all, all different. You know, like what's the next new social media tool, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I've seen a lot of that, the, the hiring. And, but in, in flip side to that, there's still a lot of really good people that are having difficulty finding jobs. Right. Like yeah. it, it, it was a bizarre way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's encouraging. And by the way, we're talking to Chris Miller, one of the managing partners of uh, top folio recruiting firm, uh, learning a lot about the job market, learning a lot about what's hot right now. Uh, Daz, if you're listening and you're not into software engineering, get into it. If you have kids right. that are interested in software engineering, yeah. get them into those STEM programs. Uh, call our buddy Howie Weinrib at Techie. And I think that's a, that's a great start. One of our season one guests. Uh, Chris, I, I know you're hustling. I know when I spoke to you the other day, I, I could, I could hear the, the, the breath a little, uh, a little heavier than normal. I could hear the feet moving. I think that's just the life of uh, somebody in an entrepreneurial world, especially in a, in a recruiting space where, where the market is, is hotter than normal. But let's talk a little bit about your family. This is, a, after all, a dad-based podcast. When you're not hustling, when you're not preparing candidates for interviews, what do you like to do with your family? So, I mean, I'll, you know, it's a lot of it. I mean, I get up early and I'm usually out of here many times, at least a couple of days a week or before anybody's even up, you know, because you got an early bird gets the worm. Um, we're big uh, beach people living that we live in Monmouth County. So we can't wait for the, uh, the summer. We sort of go to uh, the beach and kind of live at the beach. So it's a lot in the pool, a lot in the uh, the ocean. I mean, we, we did like traveling when you could travel. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're missing uh the spring break that actually starts this week, we chose not to do it. We usually go down to Hilton Head. My, you know, my wife and I met at USC down in Columbia, South Carolina. So we try to get down to South Carolina as much as we can. And, and so he, coach, he says USC as it's South Carolina. You went to the USC. That's the Trojans. So it all depends on what real, coast you're on, right? The real SC. The real SC. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't have Trojans unless they were cocks, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> He's been waiting. He's been waiting all podcasts. Absolutely, so, funny, funny. And, and Chris, you, you've got you've got one kid, right? You've got a son. I got a son. He's nine year old. Um, he's definitely uh, interesting, and uh, you know he's a very smart kid. He's he's way smarter than I think my wife and I combined. Um, and it's a lot of kids talking about you know the software engineers and stuff like that and coding and all that stuff. I mean, you know, there's there's kids that I meet in uh you know who are looking for jobs and by the time they almost get out of college, they're almost like too advanced for an entry level role because they've been doing websites since they're in eighth grade. Hmm. So he's very big into that stuff. I can see him doing that the way his head works. Um, but you know, he's uh, talking about what I like to do. I mean, I get up where, you know, I work my, my tail off and I get home and this has actually been sort of like the, the saving uh, for everybody's mind. Right. When COVID hit, my wife bought a trampoline, which when it first came out and, and apparently you couldn't get them. I didn't, I didn't know this. And it was like, we've got, we got one of the last trampolines. So every day, now that the weather's getting back, even, even when it was cold, we come home and it's tough. And we go home, we go and do 300 jumps. That's our thing. Three, he tries to do five, five is tough. 300 is tough enough. So we're big into that. You know, he just, uh, we can't, like I said, we can't wait for the summer. We travel, you know, we hang out with our neighbors. We have a really, we have a small, like a neighborhood, you know, just like in where we grew up. Right. So it's, it's very cool. Uh, and we try to be obviously, you know, social distancing as much as we can. Um, so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of, uh, you know, we ski like crazy. So this year was not too awesome. It was a little bizarre because where we, the, the, the places that we go, the pass that we have, the Epic pass, you couldn't go inside. So we ski, we always joke, we ski because so we can operate ski, right? That's our joke. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't the same this year, um, at least there. So uh, definitely looking forward to the beach. You know, he just finally, after being nine, learned to ride his bike, never wanted to learn. He took a tumble 
when he was very young. And then last weekend I was like, Hey man, it's get you're, you're nine years old. You got to learn to ride a bike now. So you're going to do it. And he said, okay. So I took him, held him one time and then I pushed him off and then he rode his bike. And that was like the end of it. It's very, very bizarre. So it's wow. like, he does things when he's ready. So this whole time for the last four years, I've been screaming at him to ride his damn bike. Well, that's the, uh, the truth about, you cannot get someone to ride a bike unless they're ready to ride a bike. And so parents are usually uh, that. Now we do have a, a section part of our, dad part uh where we, it's called dad advice advice for dads and uh given you shared a lot your, your experience with recruiting your role as a family the beach if you could offer some dad advice for our listeners what kind of uh advice would you give our dads i mean i learned this the hard way and this goes back to the whole bike thing you know you know and you always want your kid to be competitive and you push him out there and you want him sometimes to fall into your same shoes right and and sort of you know trail off a little bit the only advice you know i learned with my son and maybe this is advice but or maybe this is just uh insight was just you know like he, he i had to let him be ready to do stuff i couldn't force him to do it if he wasn't ready and i and in the beginning when you're trying to get him to do something or let's do this or let's go play lacrosse and he just didn't want to do it i, I decided not to push him anymore because he's going to find his own way and really do the things he wants to do. And that's where I think he's going to excel. He doesn't need to be like every other kid. So I sort of, uh, it was tough in the beginning because, you know, you got to go to soccer. We got to go to Little League. You know, maybe not Little League. I could live without Little League. But um, <laughs> you know, I wanted badly because I'm a crazy New York Ranger fan. And his name was almost Ryan Miller, right? So Ryan Miller, Team USA goalie. I looked and looked and looked. When he, and we his middle inch Ryan. So I looked for this jersey, this baby jersey for Team USA, Ryan Miller. This kid's going to go in net. He's going to be the next Henrik Lundqvist. He's going to play for the Rangers. And I tried forever to get him on skates. And I said, just be the goalie. You'll always, they'll always want you to play. You always have a spot. And uh, he just never wanted to do it. And he fell. And then finally, you know, we took him to skating a couple of times. He threw a skate at a kid because the kid was looking at him funny. So that was when he kind of left the uh, rink never to return. Um, but it was a lot. And I said, you know, why Especially am I when the restraining order is, uh, is issued too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was when everybody's like eyes turned to me and I said, ah, we're going to go. Um, <laughs> but, but a lot of it was just like, why am I pushing to do something? It's like, I wanted him to do it more than he did, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I would yeah. sort of learn that. And I said, you know, what am I doing? And, and so I, I, you know, he excels in other areas and everybody's themselves. So that's the advice I gave, you know, you know, don't make your, 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 your kid doesn't have to be the, uh, you know, like your alter ego or your equal or something like that. You know, and I was thinking about questions you might ask me on this. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, he doesn't need to learn everything from me. Sometimes he needs to learn on his own. Right. Um, that's one thing I've noticed. Um, you got to let them find their own, own way sometimes. And then another thing, like what, what's interesting is like, you know, I don't every day when I see him or, or the weekends, we have time, I don't have to teach him something. If he wants to learn it, come on over. If he doesn't, that's fine too. You know, my thing with him is just, I like walking, I get a new friend. I get an awesome new friend. I walk around, we walk around Red Bank, you know, we make fun of people, you know, we go get chocolate and ice cream and just kind of hang out, you know? So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Chris Miller has been our guest on Bad to the Dad this week. He, of course, the uh, managing partner, one of the managing partners of Top Folio. So, Got great dad advice today about, you know, how to raise your kid, but also how to raise your career and uh, really appreciate all that advice, Chris. And thanks so much for taking time out of your day to speak with us. It was, it was great catching up. Great to see you live. Hope to do more of it, uh, especially yeah. when I'm down in, 
in Red Bank in, in Central Jersey. But uh, just just a pleasure seeing you again and, and having you on Bad to the Dad. Thanks so much. No, thanks for having me. This is super fun. I could do this uh, do this again. I'm probably going to with uh, a clubhouse soon. Clubhouse, the new cool uh, social media. We're going to try to do some career advice there. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have you on there if you want. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to join the club. Chris Miller again on Bad to the Dad. We are Bad to the Dad. Download us wherever you find podcasts. We are bad to the dad with Coach Randy and Adam D. Remember, we're brought to you by Berman Branding and Becky Berman. Visit them for all of your graphic design, marketing, and web design needs. That's BermanBranding.com, BermanBranding.com. You can also follow Becky and Berman Branding on social media, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at Berman Branding, at Berman Branding. Coach, uh, before I thank our guest, I, you know, I do the podcast from my son's room because it's the quietest room in the house on on a Sunday morning he's downstairs playing Xbox probably been playing Xbox for about three hours now on a rainy day like today that's probably what you want but like he spilled something on his drum pad which is the pad he uses for band yes I'm a little upset but the fact that he didn't even try to clean it up and now I'm upset with myself because I can't make out the taste of what's spilled is there a tremendous amount of gook built up there's there's muck filth (laughs) muck filth thank you Fletch and, and, and I'm trying to, like, I want to go down to the basement and say, Aiden, you spilled what X? Is it iced tea? Is it some yogurt concoction? I don't know. It's definitely not kosher for Passover. I'll tell you that. Whatever it might be. We know he's a teenage boy and it could be many things possible. So I'll get over it is what you're trying to tell me. So thank you for your sage advice. And we want to thank Chris Miller for his sage advice. He, of course, is uh, managing consultant, managing partner at Topfolio, recruiting firm, learned a lot about what's hot in the job market and maybe where we should coach our kids yes. to, to pursue their employment as, as they get older. I, I have a feeling this whole software thing, that's that's going to remain red hot. I mean, think about how technology has evolved since you know you and I graduated from college. So I, I think that's, we, that's we, where the action is. We had uh, technology. I had uh, a Casio. Uh-huh. I had uh, that's a calculator and a yeah. musical keyboard. Okay. Yep. I had a uh, uh, line phone. It was phone connected to the line. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not necessarily have cable access all over the place. We used antennas. Um, the only yeah, I don't. We had cars, but there was yeah. I don't think I had much technology in my world. Yeah. I remember when flip phones came out in the late nineties, I'm like, God, I got to have one. Look how cool they are. I could look like captain Kirk. And when I speak oh, to people, say, I could, I could say, beam me up. We had flip phones in the 1960s, but it was, and we had zoom in the 1960s because of star Trek. So they were ahead of the game. See that we had zoom Skype because they were talking to each other. Yeah. Over, screens. They, over video screens. The science science fiction is what made our reality today. Well, I remember in college, you could buy a poster that said, anything I needed to learn in life, I learned from Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> and they weren't that far off. They weren't that far they off. far off. Next week is episode number eight, and we've got another business-oriented guest, and I think uh, everyone's really going to enjoy this. Coach, say this with me. Synthetic 
cannabinoid. Synthetic cannabinoid. See, I, I knew you were going to hurt yourself, so make sure you have your stunt double on for next week's episode. Synthetic, We've got Daniel. Yeah. Wait, no. Synthetic cannabinoid. Why don't you just take the week and practice in the mirror? One more time. One more time. Say it to me. Synthetic, Synthetic. cannabinoid. 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 You stuck the landing. Wonderful. Cannabinoid. That? That's synthetic cannabis. Synthetic cannabis. So Daniel Goldberg, who comes to us from Canada, where you know pretty much everything goes, uh, of Levon. Levon is this uh, company that's making this synthetic cannabinoid, which means it's not plant-based. I guess it's uh, synthetically engineered. It's going to be talking to us a little bit about the usage of synthetic cannabinoid and how that could be a hot market. But uh, you know, people are talking pot because in our state, New Jersey, uh, it has been legalized. You know, the, the people have voted, the people have spoken. And uh, I think around, you know, maybe May, June, you're going to see dispensaries opening. Yeah, you're going to see uh, all the ads on Facebook saying, hey, get, get your recreational marijuana here. So I want to learn a little bit more about, about that space and what we can expect. You know, real quick, so before we head out, you know, Colorado was one of the very first states Look to, at them, uh, the pioneers. Right? Mm -hmm. And they've, I mean, the amount of money they've made, they've, <clears throat> the added money that the, the deal was with them being infused, right? Nice fun, nice pun, infused back in the public school system, right? Mm -hmm. What I just found out, there's a mile marker, 420, all right? The mile marker, 420. Yep, 420, uh-huh. Right? Every time they put up, it'd be stolen. So now the mile marker is not 420, it's 419.99, because now no one can steal it. In Colorado, because of 420, and 420 April 20th is a big day in Colorado. They just, yeah, yeah. they just light up and go, you know. No, I was I was in Denver just after that legislation passed, and the culture of the city is so accommodating to pot smokers. Like people are walking around just high out of their minds, and like it's cold out. So like the doormen of hotels are like, "Come on over, stand under this heat lamp." And smoke your doobie. And yep. I'm sure the doorman's like, well, if I'm lucky, I'll get a bit of a contact high here. So but I guess the culture. Cool. Hey, look, in, in Jersey, we're expecting $200 million in tax revenue. Yeah. If this thing goes to plan. So between legalized gambling and pot, we are the place to be. Love the garden state. And we talk about garden. It's a much different garden than blueberries yeah, a and tomatoes. Whole different so. genre of gardening, Adam D. Daniel Goldberg coming to us direct from Canada, from Levon, talking about synthetic cannabinoid. Coach Randy's going to practice in the mirror. Cannabinoid. That's on Bad to the Dad. <laughs> Keep working on it. Dads, have a great week.